so excited. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. If we were a few years ago, I would say, oh, suck it, suck it now. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Well, we're here and we don't have to worry about anybody invading this room and throwing us in prison or in a cemetery because of men and women that have laid down their lives so that we can have that freedom. And this weekend, we celebrate those. You know, they said no greater love than this, than the man that would lay down his life for a friend. I, I, I heard a, a, a writer say it this way, that the United States without its veterans would be like heaven without its angels. And I'm so grateful. We got some issues, but it, doesn't every family have issues? We got some stuff we need to fix and some stuff we, we, we need to work on. But I'm so glad that we are in the land of the free because of the brave. Can we just show honor to every veteran, to every person that may be a family member that has laid down their life? Come on. We're just thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. Amen. Amen. I pray that you have an incredible memorial weekend inside your house because it's going to be pouring down rain all weekend long. And so uh, I hope you eat a hot dog that's boiled. That's Church of God. That's church. That's old school church hot dogs right there. When you put it in water and you boil it till it's ready. Come on, they put a little anointing oil in that. Glory to God. That's what made it so good. So y'all don't know nothing about church hot dog sales. Come on. They were not, they, those, are, those are dirty dog ro gut rockets. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, hallelujah. Some of you, oh, okay, Trey. All right, here we go. And so um, I, I pray that you have an incredible time uh, with family and friends over the next um, several hours, 24, 48 hours. But don't lose, don't lose sight. Had it not been for the grace of God and, and the willing sacrifice of men and women, we would not have the privilege of being able to do what we do today. We would do it anyway. But we don't have to do it without fear. We, we get to do it without fear today because of men and women that laid down their life. Please don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. Thank God for that. Uh, another announcement before we get into the message. <clears throat> I'm very excited about this. On, on July 9th, this has been a growing, growing issue. And, 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 and by issue, I mean opportunity. Um, this has been a growing opportunity for us at the church. Um, it is amazing to me. You look even at this room in the 830 service, the the, the, the diversity of not just not just color, not just creed, not just ethnicity, but also generations. And, and there is a growing need that's happening in our community. And so on July 9th, for the, at the third service, we are going to begin live translation into Spanish right in the room. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about that for that third service. So some of you looked up there and said, my God, they even, they do even do announcements in the Holy Ghost, in tongues. Hallelujah. Th this announcement's not for you. <laughs> but there has been a growing, a growing opportunity for us. I I've had so many people over the last several months just say, PG, listen, I have family members. I would love for them to come and be a part of what God's doing here. They just don't understand. As a matter of fact, in the third service, there's this one married couple that sits, and they're, they're over in this section about towards the back. And the wife has her arm like wrapped around her, her husband and she's like all in his ear. And I thought, man, they love each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or he's really jacked up because she is telling him what to do all service long. And, and you know, uh, uh, it took me a, a service or two, but I realized she was translating inside of the service. And there are lots of people that are in our community that we want to be able to minister to. And, and y'all just pray, y'all just pray. But... 
I struggle. A lot of the church models is let's take people who don't speak English and let's put them in a room. Well, that's that's a, to me, that's a that's a way to divide people. And I don't want to divide people. I believe that the kingdom is bringing us together. These are not my words. I had one testimony of, of a, one of our students, our tribe student teenagers. And she said to me, these are her words, not mine. PG, I have family that would love to come here. But they're stuck in a church. Not my words, hers. They're stuck in a church and they're miserable, but at least they understand it. Well, I mean, I can fix that. Hallelujah. I mean, I can't personally fix that. No habla espanol. But God, but God has brought us together to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so we, we spent a significant amount of money and we bought some translation tools with lanyards. And so on July 9th, in the third service only, we're going to begin to translate live in this room. So in the third service, there'll be praise and worship in English and Spanish. The scriptures in English and Spanish. And then the part where I preach or someone is exhorting, there'll be someone in our studio communicating to those people with headpieces on about whatever it is they're saying. And if they can't figure it out, then we'll just let the Holy Ghost take over. They can preach their own sermon. Amen. And so isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? So here's where I need your help, which is the next slide. If you are fluent in English and Spanish, we need you. We can clap about it, but somebody has to be about it. We can buy all the equipment, but if there's not someone who, who is willing to serve in this capacity, and we're only doing it for one service, so it's an opportunity for somebody to come in and be a part of the worship at the 8.30 or the 10, and then in the third service, you can go right into there and have an opportunity to be a blessing and a miracle for someone else. So if you're fluent in English and Spanish, and I understand that every word in Spanish is not the same word depending on where you came from. I can't help that. I'll take whatever I can get, okay? All right? And so, listen, if you're interested or you have the availability at all, right there on our Judah Church app, and if you don't have our apps, uh, just scan the QR code in front of you with your camera. You can download the app. There's a sign-up that says, PG, man, one week a month, one week every two months. One, one third service every two months, I'll be willing to go and I'll be able to translate. You'll have all the information. We're going to put that team together. And it's going to be an incredible opportunity to gather even more of God's sons and daughters, the created beings, hallelujah, into the gathering the place. Amen? And I just got to be honest, I don't want people to be separated. This is why, this is why I celebrate this opportunity. Amen? All right. Grab your Bibles and turn with me. <clears throat> I told our kids' ministry on the way in, I said, the good news is we're doing two services today. The opportunity for us to get out of here before 2 o'clock is still very minimal. <laughs> I'm just teasing the Lord. <clears throat> we're going to let the Lord have his way. I want to preach to you um, as we continue in this tabernacle. I want to talk about the actual sacrifice that goes on the brazen altar. I'm going to do the stewardship at the end. The sacrifice. Last Sunday I had the, the brazen offer, offering, uh, altar, four and a half feet tall, seven and a half feet wide, squared. And I want to talk about the sacrifice that goes on to that, off, that altar today. Where, where God meets with his people. I'm going to be in Leviticus chapter 1, by the way. 1 through 9 is the, is the passage where we see where God specifies what he will accept. Spirit of God, fall fresh in this room. I pray, Spirit of the Lord, that you would open our eyes, that you would pull back the scales of carnality, from our eyes. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to invade with love the hearts, the minds, the souls of your sons and daughters today, both in this room and those watching or listening. More than the wind of emotional expression in preaching, I pray that you would anoint these words 
to go deep into the hearts and the minds of your sons and daughters. Thank you for the sacrifice. And we honor you from its onset in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. He says in Exodus chapter 25, I want you to make me a place. I want you to make me a sanctuary because I want to dwell with my people. And we talked about entering into the gate of God, the gate, the, the blue and the red, um, the son of God, the son of man that produces purple, which is the king of kings. And we got beyond the gate and we came straight to the brazen altar, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet tall, where God wanted to meet with his people. You can throw that image for me. Where God wanted to meet with his people and, and <clears throat> I, I'm afraid that church and coming into church has become so easy. And church has become so pretty. And, and the reality is that if we're going to enter into God's presence, then we have an awesome privilege. This privilege is awesome. And unfortunately, 2023, we've lost the awe of being able to be in the presence of God. We, we come into God's house so casually. We, we come into his presence so casually. We, we offer him convenience. We offer him our, our leftovers. We, we gorge ourselves on the gospel. And we bag up whatever scraps we would like to take, but the rest of the scraps we leave on the table as if the sacrifice of the thing that was killed and the, the opportunity of the one who served was meaningless. We only want to take home the parts we would like to chew on later. And it's because ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, we've lost the awe in the awesome privilege it is to come before his gates with thanksgiving and to enter into his courts with praise. The reason we don't have thanksgiving and praise or we have to really dig down deep to find it is because we've lost sight of the sacrifice that has been made. When we see sacrifice, we see what the worship team did before we got here. When we see sacrifice, we see how planned and prepared maybe the communicator gave in his preparation before we got here. When we see sacrifice, we think about what it cost us to come here. Never recognizing the sacrifice that was required to even get the invitation. God says, if you're going to come before me, you better bring something. Besides your appetite, you better bring something. Besides whatever it is you're hoping you're going to get out of this, you better bring something. Because from the moment we get in the gate and walk directly to the brazen altar. If we're going any further in God, it will require death. If I'm going to go any further than just being in the room, it will require death to do so. The book of Leviticus chapter 1, God is speaking to Moses. And he's telling Moses, this, this is the burnt offering that I want you to give. He says in verse 2, to speak to the children of Israel and say to them. He's not talking to the, he's talking to the preacher because he wants to communicate to the people. This is what the people have to do, not the preacher. This is the expectation of anyone who has determined themselves to be one of my promised ones. Here's what I need you to do. When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. Verse 3, here it is. 
if, this, if his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, its offering is a sacrifice. If you bring me an offering that is not sacrificial, it's not going to be accepted. An offering is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. If it's not a sacrifice, it's not an offering. If it doesn't hurt you a little bit, it's not an offering. If it's about you, it's not an offering. But an offering is a sacrifice. That word in the Hebrew means, watch this, to kill on purpose for a purpose. So I'm going to kill this thing on purpose. This is not some drive-by, roadkill, oh, I'll use that to give to God. This is, no, this is a very specific thing that is in my life, and I know it is there, and I know it is present, and truth be told, I really don't want to part with it. So I'm going to kill it on purpose because I want to offer it to God for him to receive. So if my offering is not a sacrifice, it's not really an offering. Okay, hang on with me. I'm going somewhere. Let him offer a male without blemish. Now, here's my prayer. My prayer is that while I communicate Leviticus, you're seeing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to offer me a male. But the male I want you to offer me has to be without a blemish. In other words, this sacrifice has to be without defect. If you're going to offer me, if you're going to kill something on purpose for a purpose of me receiving it, then it has to be something that you want to keep, not defected even in your life. So when I come to God and I offer something, I sacrifice something, okay, you don't sacrifice giving him your pain. That's not sacrifice. Because the truth is, you don't want it either. Most of us look through the lens of, I'm going to give something to God, but all we really want to give him is what we don't want ourselves. I'm going to give God my marriage because I can't do nothing else with it. And God is saying, no, no, no. If you're going to, if you're going to sacrifice for me, it needs to be without defect. So I want it to be something that you love. And if it's something that you love, then it will have to be killed on purpose for the purpose of being with me. Okay. It, it can't be something that you want to give away. Have you ever been in a service and God speaks to you about giving something? And you're sitting there going, well, I, I remember hearing... I never, I never lived on this level, so I don't know how this, this works. But I remember hearing people say, you know, there were times when I would come to church and I would take half my money and keep it in the car because if God required me to give all that was in my wallet. <laughs> come on. Come on. So they would intentionally go, you, that's blemish. I remember, I remember the Sunday a few years ago <clears throat> that the Lord spoke, spoke to me right in the middle of worship. There was a single mom here with four kids, and the Lord said, give her my Jeep Commander. I'm like, come here, honey. Baby, do you have the keys to your car? <laughs> the Lord is requiring it. And I felt pretty good about it because I was driving a, a, you know, a, a two-door F-150 at that time. And, you know, and, and my wife is looking at me going, this better be God, this better be God, this better be God. And while the church was shouting and dancing over, you know, oh, the pastor just gave us his Jeep away. Just 
leather interior, you understand? Didn't have a whole lot of problems. It wouldn't have to go to the mechanic after it was over with. Y'all okay? Y'all yeah. right? Everybody, Hemi engine? I was glad to get rid of that gas payment. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so it, it wasn't. And so we're all shouting and dancing over it. And while everybody else is shouting and dancing, he says, now give your truck away. <sighs> Lord, I don't have the keys with me. No, they're in my office. Go get it. Okay. Danny, will you go get my keys? <laughs> and then I call a young man who's an entrepreneur trying to start his own business. The Lord told me to sow into your ministry. Here's my truck. I drove the minivan around for like years because I swore I would never drive a minivan around. Come on. And there will be seasons where my wife will be like, let me just drive the van and you can drive whatever we were driving at that time. I'm like, no, the Lord is humbling me. Come on. Come on, because if it's not a sacrifice, does it work? He says, I want the male. Watch this. The male represented, number one, fertility. I don't want the female lamb or bull. I want the male because that represents your future. So I want you to bring me the thing that you think is, is setting up your future. I want you to bring me the thing that you think is going to produce in your life. I want you to bring me the thing that you're counting on for your children and their children. And I want you to bring that to me, and I want you to let it become the sacrifice. Number one, the male was representative of fertility and their future, but number two, it was also a representation of protection. Anytime you ever get around, you see, you see the bull. In, in, a, in a pasture, and it would be the protector. You'll see the, the male dog or, or, you know, if you're a hunter, the buck, and, and they'll come in and they'll bow up and they'll do all these things in, a, in an element of protection. God is saying, I don't want you to count on anything to protect yours unless you're going to give it to me. So I'm going to remove what you think is going to create your future, and I'm going to remove the thing that you think is going to create your protection, and I want you to sacrifice it to me because I am your future and I am your protector. Unless the Lord builds the house, the lady is in vain and I want you to bring that to the altar and I want you to allow that to become the sacrifice because I am your future and I am your protection so I'm going to require you to bring me what normal would think is future what normal people would think is their protection that's the thing I want you to come and lay before me because that's the thing that I'm going to become for you so they bring the male lamb the male bull Verse 4, and it was without blemish. And then he says, and then I want you to put your hand on its head. Come here, David. I want you to put your hand on its head. Because what's happening to this animal is really what should be happening to you. But in order for that to happen, you have to transfer your sin onto the thing that hasn't sinned. You have to take your dirty hand and put it on its clean head so that all the filth in you is now put on it and it becomes what should be you. And while you're transferring your sin, the blood on the inside of this sinless animal, this sinless sacrifice, forgiveness is now being released into you. So you're transferring your sin, and it's transferring its forgiveness. You're killing me because of your sin, but I'm releasing forgiveness into your life anyway. So he shall kill the bull. Thanks, buddy. He shall kill the bull, <clears throat> cut it into pieces. Ooh, he shall kill the bull. 
The sinner is the one doing the slaughtering. He didn't bring it to the pastor and say, here, man, I, I don't even know what to do about this, but can, can you handle my sin for me? No, he had to take his own knife, bring his own animal, lay his own animal in that situation, put his sin on that animal as that animal is becoming the substitution for him, and that animal is releasing forgiveness into his life, and then he's taking out his knife, and he is slitting its throat because he's the one who sinned. He has to do the slaughter. Because if you're going to be the sinner, then you have to make sure you put to death something for your sin. Hebrews 9 verse 22, for without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. So instead of you bringing it to me, now you're the one that's going to do the killing. You're the one that's going to have to kill the thing on purpose. For the purpose of making it bleed so that you have the opportunity to be forgiven. But I, I need you to understand that sin is a debt occurred by men that they are unable to pay. The one we owe is perfect in all of his ways. And we cannot pay our way back to perfection. I'm, I'm messing with theology now. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing I can do to pay my way back. It is impossible to allow an imperfect person to pay its way back to perfection because the one we owe is perfect in all of his ways. The debt is sin. But most of us live in this philosophy that given enough time, given enough religious acts, given enough going to church, if I pray enough, if, 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 I, if I serve enough, if, if, if I give enough money, if, if I do just enough that somehow, some way, maybe I can pay off my debt. Or the rest of us think that God grades on a curve. Y'all know what I mean by that? I know we're getting out of school now. So let me give you one last analogy as you get into exams. We, we want God to grade on a curve. So what, what that means is <clears throat> that a hundred is not a hundred. That whoever the smartest person in the room is, whatever their grade is, that becomes the new 100. So they're the best of the class. It's not a hundred. It may be, now I don't know how it is for y'all's uh, uh, school experience, but I was always in a room that had one of those guys. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, little Einstein people. You know, Bartholomew or something stupid like that, you know. Nothing. You know, you know. Joey, you know what I mean? Just really nerdy. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> You know, and they would come in and, and they, would, they, would, they would always, like, okay, we're going to grade this exam on a curve and they still make 100. You know, what I wanted to do is rally the troops and all of us get zeros. Because if we all get zeros and we're grading on a curve and we all have a zero, then we all have a... Makes sense to me. But no, we would all get zeros, but there comes Joey. Joey's got to come in, oh, I'm so upset. What are you upset about, little Joseph? What are you upset about? Oh, I made a 98. Oh, you knew a You little precious child of God, I hope you stub your toe. 
But what we do is we think God grades on a curve. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm not what I'm supposed to be. But at least I'm not as bad as they are. So, I, I didn't kill anybody. And so the murderer has got to be, it's worse than me, so I should be able to get in. Debt is debt. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. Sin is sin. And God doesn't have murder really bad and you gossiping behind somebody's back, okay. Ooh, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. He, he doesn't reduce his, the debt because his nature is perfection. So we want God to come in on this curve mentality. Well, you know, God, I mean, I work hard. Well, that, that doesn't work because you're never going to be able to pay this. This perfection is required. Well, then I, you're just going to grade me on the bell curve. At least I'm not as bad as them. So by and large, we have the same mentality as, as people do in sports today, which is everybody should get a trophy because you participated. Well, at least I tried. It should count for something. Because I tried. Uh, some of you may not be basketball people. I was, I, was watching, I was watching the game last night. And, um, and if you ever want to be entertained, come to my house during the basketball game. Uh, because you know, it doesn't even matter where you are in, in the house. Because Chisholm's voice is loud enough for everybody. Okay? You can understand exactly what, oh my God, what's going on right all night, Chisholm. I just need you to turn that down to like a four. Oh, well, it's just not, I'm not, no, that's not the remote, buddy. I'm talking about the one right here. Glad you're back, Chiz. <clears throat> and Noah, you know, they're all basketball people or whatever and, and all this stuff. We're having this whole conversation. Miami was winning. And they lost the game at .2 seconds. It was a freak tip-in by White for the Boston Celtics. Boom, freak tip, tip in. Just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Put back immediately. They were winning except for 0.2 seconds. It would be like Jimmy Butler going, but wait a minute, Mr. Ref. We were winning for the last three minutes. And the only reason we're not having the win is because of 0.2 seconds of a loss. Like, it should count for something that for two minutes, 59 seconds, we were winning. But they got a loss. Because at the end, they didn't, you understand? They were up by one until they weren't. They were up by one until they weren't. Because in order for you to fulfill it, you have to win the entire, you hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to give you a very practical analogy. Ain't no, there's no coming back to the ref going, well, you don't understand. I gave all the effort. I played all 48 minutes. I did everything I knew to do. Look at all my assists. Look at all my rebounds. Look at all the points I scored. Look how much of an encourager I was. Didn't what I do enough? No, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because you failed with .2 seconds left. Just because you're a nice person doesn't mean the debt is paid. Just because you did the right things the majority of the time doesn't mean the debt is paid. Just because you did really spiritual things for the majority of your life doesn't mean the debt was paid. In order for that to happen, because, uh, you can't make God change the rules. Because perfection is required if I'm going to be received. This, this animal, this lamb, this bull, it... it it had to address the debt of sin 
in order to meet the standard of perfection. This is not my rule, ladies and gentlemen. This is God's. I, I didn't make this up. And the truth of the matter is, he didn't ask me to be a part of his counsel when he created this decision. I don't get to determine what sin is. He's the one that makes the rules. And I'm sorry if it does not mesh with my carnality. He's not trying to meet my standard. I'm trying to meet his. Because sin forces death if I plan on going any further in him. We see it with Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned in the garden, God comes down and he kills an animal that he created. And he allows his blood to spill out and then he takes the skin of that animal and covers the nakedness and shame of Adam and Eve. From the very beginning, this has been the standard. Here's why. Because perfection said, this is what I'll demand. Abraham is going up the mountain with his son Isaac. And Isaac is looking at his father going, I see the wood. I see the fire. But dad, I don't see the sacrifice. And I'm afraid that there's way too many of our children They see the wood. They see the fire. But they keep looking for the sacrifice. And my fear, ladies and gentlemen, is that if our children can't see the sacrifice, then maybe they're the ones being. Oh, I see the wood. It's right there hanging every Sunday, the backdrop for the church. I see the fire, I see all the dancing, I see all the shouting. But we still go on to Target. It's okay. Happy Memorial Day. The animal slain as an installment on the debt that the sinner owed perfection. I want you to get a crystal clear picture of this altar because next Sunday we'll move into the labor. But it's at the altar that demands us, it's not an altar because it's pretty furniture. There's an altar because God demands a sacrifice at the beginning. And the reason he demands it is because he knows we can't go any further if we're not going to address our sin. I want you to go with me. I want you to go into deeper realms with me. I want to bring you into my glory, but I can't go any further than this until we deal with sin. It would be like all of us getting together, jumping on the Judah Church van, driving all the way down to Myrtle Beach. And all of us are going to hop in the Atlantic Ocean and we're going to swim to England. Chisholm would not make it beyond his ankles because he can't swim. Okay? We're going to swim all the way to England. We all dive in the water. 
Most of us don't even get started before we quit. Come on. We have already determined our limitations. So we're not even going to try. Because we know it's a hopeless situation. I don't have the ability to do what's being required, so I'm not even going to start. I hope you're hearing the sermon today. But the rest of us, man, we're going to throw it in. We, let's go. Let's go. Here we go. That's a side stroke right there. Some of y'all be a little doggy paddle. We're going to breaststroke it out, whatever. We're going to freestyle if you want to freestyle. Come on, come on. We can do it. And we're swimming, and we're giving maximum effort, and I'm way in front of all of y'all. I'm in front of all y'all. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and we're there, and we're moving, and we're swimming. And all along the way, little by little, people are drowning, or people are quitting. And it doesn't matter how great, some of the stuff y'all don't know about me. So... Before I got married, I was a, um, a Boy Scout. I was a lifeguard. I was an aquatics director. I was the one who would certify lifeguards. So the first thing that I would teach in lifeguard training, as I would certify people for lifeguards, is I would teach them, you got to be willing to let somebody die. If you cannot let somebody die to save your own life, you don't need to be a lifeguard. Because people in crisis will drown you trying to get their head above water. So if you're not willing to swim away, you don't even need to become a lifeguard. First lesson I teach. Because they will climb you and drown you trying to take their next breath. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great of a swimmer you are. It doesn't matter how well-versed you are. It doesn't matter how fully technical you are. Some point, you're going to give out. At some point, you're going to hit the wrong wave. At some point, some hurricane or some storm is going to come through. At some point, Jaws is going to show up. At some point... Something's going to come in. Some situation's going to happen. Welcome to Shark Week. Something's going to happen into your life, and we're going to quit, and we're going to die, and we're going to drown. You know why? Because it is humanly impossible for somebody to start at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and swim all the way to England and make it because you cannot do it by yourself. There's no way for us to do it. We can take a plane to get there. We can take a boat to get there because we have to trust in something. We have to be in something that is bigger than us, something that is greater than us, something that is more committed than us, something that does not live into the confines of the natural. You know what I'm saying? It requires, we can't do this on our own. It doesn't matter how far we get. So I'm drowning four miles out Sure. And I'm looking at God as I'm going down, going, I did better than Chiz. I did better than Chiz. I did better than Chisholm. I'm still dead. I'm better than Chisholm, but I'm still dead. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I was the most spiritual one in the whole group. But I'm still dead just like you. Because it doesn't matter all my effort. I cannot do this for myself. You cannot get here from here to heaven on your own ability. I can't do this on my own. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 18, verse 20, that the soul who sins will die. But I, I, I need to make an announcement. God, and I can't wait for this to get on the radio. Sin is our issue, not God's. I want you to hear me today. I feel the weight of this message all morning long. Because sin is not God's issue, it's mine. God has nothing to do with sin. He has nothing to do with it. It's not, my, it's not his issue, it's my issue. 
So we can sit here and question him and, and son, Monday morning quarterback and, and, and do all the stuff we want to do, but at the end of the day, well, I just can't believe that a loving God will send people to hell. Hear me. God doesn't send people to hell. You choose that yourself. You choose that yourself. I can't believe that a loving God would make me go through that. I need you to hear me. I don't know how it all works, and we're going to understand in the sweet by and by at some point. Here's what I know, that sin is not here because of him. Sin is here because of me. It's my issue. I had a very lovely, awesome young, young lady that's connected to our life make this statement. I just don't understand why God would make sexuality such a problem. God didn't make sexuality a problem. Sin made sexuality a problem. Well, I, I, just, I just wish he would change his opinion about sexuality. Then that means we're in charge. Sin is the issue. Okay. I, I tried to figure out how do, how do I articulate this sacrifice that sounds so meaningless now. It wasn't meaningless. They, they would kill a ram. They would kill a bull. They would kill a lamb every morning and every evening. It wasn't meaningless. What it did was kick the can down the road. It's like, I'm, I don't, I'm trying to be as, as practical as possible. It's, it's like you getting your credit card bill and all you do is pay the interest. You're satisfying the demand but you're never dealing with the debt. So, so they'll let you continue in relationship because you paid the interest, but you never dealt with the debt. And with most credit cards, you can pay the interest, but there's still a greater penalty because you didn't satisfy the debt. For ladies and gentlemen, for generations, they would pay the interest and never touch the debt. They'd pay the interest for the, for the sin they committed that year, but they would never deal with the deficit that sin had. They would pay it for their family, the interest. It was interest only, interest only, interest only, interest only. But at some point, it crescendos to the point where the ultimate debt has to be satisfied. And I'm so glad that one day, some 2,000 years ago, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth, he came on the scene and they hung him high and they stretched him wide and he bowed his head and right before he died, he uttered three words that echoes in my heart today. He said, it's is finished. What he was saying was, you don't have to sacrifice another animal. I'm going to be the debt paid for you. I'm canceling the debt. I'm canceling the interest. I am removing this as far as the east is from the west. And I am permanently crushing the penalty of sin. It's finished. You don't have to live in that bondage anymore. Not because of what you did. Because of what I did for you, the sacrifice. And I don't think we grasp that because if we did, our worship would change. If we did, the way we approach sacrificial giving and living would change. So let me just see in human words if I can articulate it. On the cross, 
God took the penalty so that he could love the sinner, pay for the sin, and satisfy his wrath so he could express his love without compromising his perfection. He took the penalty so he could love the sinner and pay for the sin and satisfy his wrath so he could express his love without compromising his perfection. The only way we could find a satisfying sacrifice was when God so loved the world that he gave his. So, Trey, come on, Trey. So what does that look like? Well, that required death. That required death. Because every sacrifice requires death. Until now. Until now. So what does that look like in 2023? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren. By how? By the mercies of God. Notice that that word is not singular. But by the mercies of God. Here it is. That you present your body, yourself. Here it is. A living sacrifice. He already dealt with the dying sacrifice. Today, the sacrifice is not what you have to kill. The sacrifice in is how you live. Oh, God have mercy. When I present my body... I'm not presenting everything that I had to kill on purpose for purpose. But now I'm presenting to him everything I'm living on purpose for purpose. So I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Here it is. Which is my reasonable act of service or worship. It's my reasonable. Hear me today. That everything I give to God as a living sacrifice is reasonable. There is nothing that God is requiring of me that is unreasonable. In light of what he did to satisfy the penalty of my sin. What do you want? I present it all to you. Not as what you're going to kill in me, but what you're going to resurrect in me. But see, we can't live as a living sacrifice unless verse 2 happens. And be not the con of this world will tell you that sin is God's issue, not yours. The con of this world will tell you that whatever you naturally in your sin nature desire is okay. That's the con that has been formed of this world. That the demand that God is requiring is too big for you. That's the con of this world. But be ye formed in Luke by what? In other words, information breeds transformation. And when the Holy Spirit begins to renew your mind. Wait a minute. My life is not my own. To you I belong. 
give myself. I give myself to you. It's re- I'm being renewed. And as my mind is being renewed, the con that has been trying to shape me, you're sick. You're addicted. You're depressed. You're, here's a great one that most of us have to deal with. You are disqualified. But as my mind is creating my movement, all of a sudden I move beyond the form that has, the con that has tried to form me to the patterns of this world. Y'all, hear me. Everything that the world celebrates, everything that the world tolerates is all part of the con. When you see the whole world doing this, it's a great indicator. It's part of the con. By the renewing of your... And look at what it says. And then you will prove what is the good. sacrifice for me. Let us continually offer a sacrifice. Here it is. What kind of sacrifice? It's a sacrifice of (laughs) that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Before we leave this house today, I dare you to join me in light of what he's done for both of us to offer unto God a sacrifice of praise, a living declaration for the purpose of his purpose, a living example of how thankful we are for what he has done. He has done great things. He has done great things. Is there anybody that can give God a sacrifice of praise today? Come on, give him glory all over where you are today. Now that'd be good if we made it over to England, but I'm talking about a God that if it had not have been for him, where would I be? Where would I be?
It is not unreasonable for you to still trust God whether he heals you or not. It is not unreasonable for you to still love God even though you have gone through great trauma and abuse in your past. It is not unreasonable for you to carry thanksgiving in your heart even though something didn't work out the way you wanted it to. It is not unreasonable, thank you Holy Spirit, it is not unreasonable for you to forgive even though they hurt you 50,000 times. outside of marriage to keep their virginity until they are. It's not unreasonable. Uh, it's not unreasonable for you to go back to having a flip phone so you're not tempted by your dumb phone. I present you know what my body is? It's flesh. I present everything about my flesh and what it craves as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable act of worship. say something like you provide the fire and I'll provide the sacrifice you provide the spirit and I'll open up inside fill me up God fill me up God Yeah. 